and welcome to this episode of The Future of Schools, a podcast that explores how technology is impacting the classroom and talks to the people behind it. I'm Connor Flynn, your host and CEO at Adaptimo, and today we're discussing Dutch edtech startups and technology in Dutch schools. My guest today is Case Massenbrook from Topkus, but Case has been working in edtech in Holland for for how long now, Case? Hello, Connor. Uh, that would be uh, roughly 15 years since uh, 2003. And what have you been doing in that time? Uh, we here at uh, Topicus, uh, Topicus Education, which is a software company in the east of the country. We uh, developed uh, a few uh, student information systems that are now uh, leading in the market. Uh, roughly one and a half million students, and that would be a platform for uh, primary education and for secondary education. Uh, that was our entry into the uh, tech market in the Netherlands. Can you tell me, how would you describe Dutch schools in terms of the adoption of technology? Well, obviously uh, it depends, but I, I would say uh, compared to, uh, let's say, uh, Germany or the rest of the continent, uh, the adoption rate is uh, pretty high and uh, accelerating, specifically at this moment in primary and uh, secondary education. Mm-hmm. In general, I think it would be comparable to uh, Scandinavia or Great Britain or uh, even uh, Ireland, I guess. Um, but we are way, way ahead of our uh, neighbors uh, to the east. Well, what technologies are working in Dutch schools at the moment? Oh, that's a difficult question because uh, we can first discuss uh, what is popular and being used because what is working is a separate uh, subject, as you know. But what is at this moment very uh, remarkable in in primary education, you see there is a huge uh, shift from paper uh, curriculum-based methods that are from the big publishers towards a fully uh, digital uh, one uh, device per student, uh, well, let's say drill and practice software that is also Mm curriculum-based and that is integrated in the sense that it uh, covers all subjects. That would be uh, reading and uh, mathematics or or algebra, basically, at primary schools. And that shift is now, it's really a surge at this moment, and it's a very... uh, threatening also for the uh, traditional publishers. Okay. And who who's providing these courses? Is it government? Uh, no. Uh, the relation between government and Dutch schools is uh, very offhand. So they provide uh, some guidelines and uh, they provide uh, a lot of money. Uh, but schools are very independent in how they, uh, what they teach and how they teach it. So, uh, obviously, within those guidelines. So, there are edtech startups that are providing content for these courses? At the starting point, obviously, is these big uh, publishers. We have uh, like four, four or five big publishing houses, uh, and they provided the curriculum up until this point. Mm-hmm. And that was mainly paper-based with some software, with, with some additional software. And that was the situation for I don't know how long, most of the uh, last century. And now, uh, and that is, uh, let's say, the last six, seven years, you see edtech companies that are not only targeting the supplementary part of the market, that would be supplementary to the curriculum-based products of the uh, big publishers, but that are really targeting the curriculum uh, itself. 
So uh, now we see that ag tech companies, uh, startups, if you like, uh, like six, seven year old startups, are really providing curriculum products. And do you get much pushback from teachers or parents uh, using digital in primary schools in particular? Uh, Not yet, but I am uh, anticipating that. So there is pushback in the sense that you see letters to the editor in newspapers that say, are we on the right way in general also with all the social media and all the screen time and uh, and kids. I think that 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 is a worry of many parents and many teachers, Uh, but there is not a lot of pushback specifically for these type of products because they also offer uh, huge advantages. Okay, and what are those advantages? Well, one advantage is that they are uh, adaptive. So uh, we are uh, talking about uh, students or kids uh, that try to learn to uh, read and spell, etc., and that involves a lot of drill and practice, and that is something uh, computers are specifically good at uh, because they never get tired and uh, they are able to serve each student uh, at their own level so that they have it's not too difficult and uh, not too easy. And another uh, hit is the dashboard, so the information that we are able to give back to teachers. Uh, so that they can uh, target specific instruction to students or to that group of students that uh, need it. And in terms of teachers, do they need a lot of training or do they figure out how to do this themselves? Uh, It's a good question, very good question. The software, uh, usually applications, are built in such a way that you can use them in a, let's say, traditional mode. Uh, in which uh, the group is basically uh, treated as one uh, whole. Uh, you serve up the same question for every student? Yeah, not really the same question, but at least the same subject. Or, uh, so it varies the, the level of the question perhaps a little bit, uh, but everybody is uh, roughly on the same track. Uh, and on the other uh, side of the spectrum, you can uh, arrange the software in such a way that, uh, let's say, in a sort of discovery mode, that each student is able to wander around and choose topic in which they want to practice themselves, depending on the subjects that they already mastered. Mm-hmm. And to be able to cope with that, that involves uh, a lot of training and also, I guess, a certain mindset. So most uh, teachers tend to choose for uh, one of the more traditional settings in the software. So it really depends how you uh, want to use this uh, application in the classroom. And like you're saying that your particular software is in 40% of the schools in Holland, would you say that this adaptive practice or personalized digital practice for primary schools, is that in about 40% of Dutch schools? or is it? Uh, oh, that, that that might be roughly right, but those are, those are uh, two completely different numbers. Okay. Uh, like everywhere else, each school has a student information system, uh, and luckily for us, a lot of schools in the Netherlands uh, have a student information system from us. Mm-hmm. But that is not uh, that is completely independent from the uh, learning applications that we sell. So we sell them also to schools that have a completely different student information system. But the adoption rate at this moment is uh, is pretty high. So it would be, there are at least 
uh, I, I would say a quarter to half the schools that are using this type of software, the adaptive uh, software, uh, in at least one group, I would say. And um, why do you think this is popular in Holland? It's a good question. Well, one element to this, because it is probably very complex, it has to do with uh, well, a population that likes to adapt technology trends, etc. But that is not different than a lot of other countries. Also, we uh, traditionally we spend a lot of money on. Uh, learning material in general, so that uh, if, if you are able to divert a little bit of this money to your uh, new ad uh, tech initiative, uh, you, you have a, a chance uh, to survive and to exist. And what also perhaps helps for the, uh, the more entrepreneurial uh, people is that schools are very independent. So there is not a school district or uh, even government that tells you how to do things. It only tells you what to do in a very general sense. And I guess uh, in countries where that is more centralized, okay, you have to sell your product to some higher authority. And here you can sell your pitch your product directly to schools. And that's an interesting case. And we were talking before, if you look at the Netherlands as a nation, famous for going international, traveling abroad, trading. And you're talking to me about this Dutch ed tech educational scene, which is quite rich and quite advanced. But it's rare I see much success of Dutch ed tech companies outside of Holland. Yeah. Well, there I must say uh, uh, you're right. To the defense of my uh, fellow countrymen, I have to say that there are very little international successes in our world. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a few. There are uh, obviously the, the big American companies. There are some, uh, like it's learning, for instance, from uh, Scandinavia. But it's not, uh, uh, we are not, in this country at least, not flooded with uh, technology from Belgium or even Ireland. Uh, so I guess uh, there are very few international successes anyway, uh, but uh, perhaps we are, uh, we, we will see a few in the, in the future. I, I guess at this moment the situation is that we all, each country for itself, uh, is uh, trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. And uh, once that has been uh, established, uh, you will see uh, international successes in general, not only Dutch, obviously. Okay. In case you've been in educational technology for 15 years now, ha have you ever lost heart? Uh, no, I've never lost heart. I learned a lot. Uh, the initiative uh, here started as an outgrowth from a, a software company. We make uh, Topicus uh, makes a lot of software for banks, for instance, or for hospitals, uh, etc. And about a quarter of our uh, business is uh, with uh, schools, but we came from the technology side. And uh, in that sense, we were, uh, well, you could call it optimistic, you can also call it naive, that we were going to revolutionize uh, education. Uh, I guess that was my opinion uh, like 10 years ago. Uh, and that has changed. I have now much more respect for the teaching profession, for instance, and I see that what we do in general is support teachers rather than replacing them. 
Okay. And in the banking industry, you were replacing people, is it? And that's a very big difference. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. In general, it's automation and uh, a lot of uh, jobs have been lost there. Not enough, I think, but it's a different <laughs> subject. So, <laughs> why do you think technology can't replace teachers? Because teaching students involves a lot more than just showing them some information and then asking them a few questions about it. You have to target the information for each uh, student. You have to make them uh, enthusiastic. You have to give them elaborate uh, feedback on, on a lot of different levels. And that could start by uh, simple uh, misunderstandings uh, on the subject. But it also involves your, uh, yeah, complete posture, or how do you say that, the way in which you learn, or uh, in, in the way in which you behave, mm -hmm. and those are things that uh, computers cannot do. Mm -hmm. And like you've been there for ten years, is there any any disastrous project that you had that you'd like to tell us about? Yeah. I, uh, Obviously, uh, we also made up a lot of products that uh, did not uh, have end successfully in this company. But the most uh, in this field, directly after the introduction of the iPad, there was an initiative in the Netherlands that was very uh, was a uh, more or less famous uh, guy from television, and he introduced the uh, Steve Jobs schools or iPad schools they were called. And that was uh, we were not involved with with that, but that was a very well published failure because he just basically said, now we know how the future looks and it is uh, square and black and it has an apple uh, on the back. And now we are uh, really going to replace the teachers in primary schools. Uh, yeah, and that uh, there was a lot of money behind it because a lot of people invested in that. And well, there were quite a few newspaper stories when that failed spectacularly. Do you think there's enough funding in the sector to keep up with the world outside of the classroom and outside of the school? Well, in, in general, I must say, I think uh, there is enough money uh, sloshing around in education, at least in this part of the world. Uh, for instance, in the Netherlands, uh, we spend uh, 300 euros per student per year in the secondary education for books. And if you divert a little, uh, at least that, that gives enough room also for good uh, digital solutions. What will you be doing in 10 years? I can imagine that I'm still uh, in this uh, in this very same uh, company, but uh, hopefully also on uh, different uh, initiatives, uh, perhaps more international. And I can prove you wrong that we uh, are not able to export our technology. Um, uh, but what I, it's a very dynamic uh, environment. We uh, have a lot, a lot of uh, new initiatives uh, all the time. Uh, so I'm far from bored and I can, 10 years sounds uh, a long time if it's still ahead of you, but I can easily imagine that they will uh, uh, pass very quickly and that I'm still here. Case, thanks very much for your time. Okay, thank you. It was a lot of fun to do this. Thanks for listening to The Future of Schools with Connor Flynn. If you like our show and want to know more about the future of schools or Adaptomy, check out www.adaptomy.com or please leave us a review on SoundCloud. 